Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm a contrarian who hates everything you love and loves everything you hate. Even when I don't want to. I mean, I'm Alex. What's the difference? Uh, point taken. <laughs> uh, and this week we are talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. I thought you were going to say we're going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the Alex. <laughs> Yep, we're wrapping up the Dollars Trilogy. Um, I'll go ahead and get into the scores, and then I'll let Tyler talk for the rest of the podcast, because I don't want to talk about this movie. <laughs> I'm going to make you talk about this movie. I want to understand. I cannot physically make you talk about this movie. But It's true, we're not in the same location. I, I mean, I, I couldn't uh, any any other way. <laughs> you you and Joseph will, will come find me, and then you'll, you'll force will, me to just talk. Yes, stab chopsticks into your jaw, and just... I don't know. Work it out from there. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, directed by Sergio Leone from 1966, although it was released in the U.S. in 67, right? Correct. Isn't that when they released yes. all three of them? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it has a 97% critic score and audience score on Rotten mm -hmm. Tomatoes. Everyone loves this movie. I don't get it. Tyler, what's your best thing and your worst <laughs> thing? Um... I'm very tempted to go with the best thing as the score again, which I will sing its praises uh, momentarily, but I'll, I'll hold no, no, on. No, no, that, that is one thing I, I can agree with you okay. on. Okay, I, I was curious how you felt about this. Certainly of this trilogy, and, and they're all amazing scores, this is the best one. It yes. just kind of just goes nuts <laughs> yes. in the best possible way. Yes, it's incredible. Um, um, I, I do think sometimes it's a little misplaced. Sure. But I think the score the in and of itself is brilliant the only complaint and i don't even know why we're talking about the score because that's not either my best or worst thing but i'm gonna finish the thought um the only thing i would say is that the uh the doo, 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 that that riff gets used a lot <laughs> i feel like sometimes it's yeah. it maybe is a little bit repetitive but it, it's it's effective 99.9 percent .9 of the time it's it's very very good um and and we can talk about that some more uh my best thing um <sighs> My my best thing, I'll say something that I wasn't really expecting that I think really tied the entire movie together in a way that the other movies were really lacking in, is that um, it may actually be the choice to set the entire backdrop of this movie and kind of weave the plot of this movie through uh, the Civil War, the American Civil War. Um, I thought that was a really fascinating choice. I did not know that that was sort of a, when this was supposed to take place, and B, uh, such a big element of this. Um, but I think taking it, it was taking two very disparate things in terms of, A, you've got the um, the general, what we've done for the past two movies with, you know, kind of these, these gray area uh, characters muddling about with money and women and killing things, I don't know. <laughs> and then um, they, t taking that sort of string... And then tying that back in with uh, this this overall art, overarching theme of the pointlessness of war, it's it's almost a very um, th this being specifically I should say the pointlessness of war in this region of the country because clearly the civil war is very important. Um, see slavery, but, <laughs> 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 uh, 
but the fact that the Civil War is being fought in a in an area of the country where at least maybe I don't even know historically, um, you know, kind of what if there was a whole lot tying it. Like I don't, I mean, the, I would assume that slavery was not a big of an issue in sort of the Southwest because of the fact that uh, there's it's just harder to grow things there. Um, I think overall in the the area that this is taking place, and certainly the movie portrays this as being a place where the Civil War is not really it's not really being fought for any reason other than it's being fought on behalf of the other parties in, in sort of the core conflict of the, the Midwest and the Southeast and um, Northeast and, and sort of where the actual, you know, kind of everything we were, we know about the Civil War and are taught about the Civil War. And so just highlighting sort of the the fact that this wing of the war was, was sort of uh, pointless and horrific for maybe uh, not really a purpose when, when so much of it was settled by the the generals uh, on the east east side of the country, the east coast, um, and I think tying those together, kind of taking finding a way to to take the backdrop of uh, just this this massive swath of violence, um, maybe without purpose, uh, and and putting putting this wild west theme in the middle of that, I thought I found that really really interesting, and I think they do that do some really creative stuff with that, um, and and that was something I completely had no idea was was going to happen and. So when they, when they started hitting on that, I noticed a couple times. I was like, "Oh, that's kind of a neat historical tie-in." Uh, and then the as as it went along, and as that became more and more of a a, a thing that was important, uh, I I was I was very uh very intrigued by that, very invested in that. Thought that made that did a great job of kind of making the plot feel more epic. Um, I I if, the thing I would I would kind of point to is uh, Huckleberry Finn, which interesting enough, I can't remember if Huckleberry Finn is actually. Huckleberry Finn being the book is, is what I'm referring to here, not a movie. Um, but uh, I can't remember if that is set during slavery or if it's it's the post-Civil War period. Um, but sort of a, a similar idea of, of, of using a, a... taking characters that aren't maybe aren't necessarily invested in a, a, a huge political movement, um, political feeling like a weird word for that I'm trying to talk around the fact that, that slavery is very very horrible and uh, putting that in terms of this movie um, because I did that was something that, that I, I thought of a couple of times I was like it is kind of weird that they're using the Civil War when there was vi- the Civil War is maybe one of the most like oh one side actually had a very strong moral argument for fighting this war <laughs> um, but regionally I, I think it matters there and anyway Talking about Huckleberry Finn, the fact that you've got this character who's kind of naive and maybe doesn't really understand a lot of the the a lot of what's going on in the country, at least, um, and and putting them in in this uh, story that is is set along and within this era and and plays off the themes and the important uh, sort of uh, glo- national elements of that era, and and I, I had the same same feeling here where it's it's very much. These characters have one very singular purpose, and they're just trying to get that purpose. But they're kind of playing off of and using this massive conflict uh, that that left many people very dead. Uh, and and I think that was a really really interesting choice, and I really really enjoyed that. So seven minutes later, that's my that's what that's why that's my best thing. Um, I wasn't sure if that was gonna end. Up, I was gonna end up feeling good about choosing that, my be- that as my best thing, and I think I, <laughs> I realized that that is definitely what I was, or what what I most enjoyed about it. Um, my worst thing. 
my worst thing, which is something that I, I think, based on our initial conversations, you'll be able to, to jump on and run with a little bit here. Uh, oh, no. Don't hand me that baton. <laughs> uh, the only thing I would say is that, and this is not really something that affected me majorly. I'm, it, it might have affected you very majorly, but based on what you said, um, is that I felt like there was a long stretch of time where we mostly spent, uh, we mostly focused on Tuco. Um, I like Tuco as a character a lot. I really enjoyed him. I thought I thought he was a lot of fun. Um, I thought his actor was really good. I think the performances only overall in this movie are, are pretty spectacular. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I dubbed or not? Yeah, sure, sure. And I I like Tuco a lot. Um, I think he he portrayed an interesting character and that kind of created. I think they did a very good job of making him the ugly and not the bad because I think they could have very much turned him into someone that was like completely unsympathetic. And he kind of is, but it's it's almost. Uh, it's the the Lord of the Rings um, pity argument that Gandalf gives about Gollum. It's 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 not so much the it's kind of the same same dynamic. It's it's not so much a that the character is 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 evil or despicable, but they are definitely selfish and and out for themselves and you know it's almost naive in the way that they uh, approach their world and 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 try to lie and and cheat through the world. Um, I didn't think they did a good job with him, but I do think that there was too long, uh, kind of kind of once uh, Clint Eastwood was taken out of the fight because he abandoned him in the desert, and then he got very, very sick. Um, I, I think they they probably spent a little too long with us in, in Tuco's head, uh, because I, I it got to a point where I was like, is, this, is the entire movie going to be about just him? Um, that's mm-hmm. sort of what it started to feel like. When I think that overall the the villain and uh, our our man with no name, Fistful Dollars, are generally more intriguing uh, characters, uh, and, and maybe that's uh, maybe there's there's something to be said about you know leaving things up to the imagination, uh, at least in terms of this iteration of of these two performances, these two two actors playing these characters. Uh, but I feel like we could have gotten a little bit more uh, with both of them instead of devoting quite so much time to Tuco. Uh, for for that chunk that it was basically for the entire time that Clint Eastwood is is out, um, and I I really don't think that's like that wasn't a, a huge issue for me. It was just something I I was very cognizant of as the, we spent more time with Clint Eastwood on the bench, so to say. Yeah, I, I agree with that that criticism uh, a thousand percent. <laughs> uh, where? Okay, I'm, I I'll go ahead and say. I did not care for the movie all that much, just on a first viewing, and I feel kind of bad about that because I mean, Tyler was texting. <laughs> Ty- Tyler was texting me of like, "Yeah, this is head and shoulders above the first two. I'm like, I-, I was watching the movie. I'm like, it feels like just more of the same. <laughs> like I did not notice a whole lot of difference, mm-hmm. um, and I feel kind of bad about that because people really love like all of these movies, and I'm, I'm not, yeah. I'm not getting it. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is just ignorance on my part for not really getting <laughs> you spaghetti westerns. You just didn't get it, okay? Like, it, that might be the case this time. <laughs> like, I, I was watching it, and, and both Tyler and, and special friend of the podcast, Joseph, were, were texting me, their, the podcast. Like <laughs> texting me their, their, their praises for the movie. I'm like, I'm not seeing any of this. <laughs> um, so I've got a few different things I could choose Sure. Um, for both best and worst. Um... Hmm. I left score for you if you want to go for that. Yeah, I'll just go with score. I think it deserves uh, it. No. 
we need to discuss Tuco running through the cemetery yes, because that is like that. the most epic piece of music ever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm supposed to be laughing during that scene or not. Right. I can't tell. I, I don't know I what the thoughts. I have thoughts. I I had no idea what the tone of this movie was supposed to be for most of it. I right. didn't know how much of it I was and supposed to be taking seriously or not. And that sure. was sort of a problem that we hinted at having in the previous two. I feel like it was uh exacerbated in really this one. you think it was worse than the than a four a few dollars more yeah okay interesting i was gonna say i uh, i talked about last time that uh as a as a big twin peaks fan uh that was very much the vibe i got that you it was sort of supposed to be like dramatic but also kind of comical yeah um well, well the thing is like I, i've done light research into this mm-hmm. and these movies are very much supposed to be satires and they're supposed to be kind of making fun right. of classic American westerns. Like the idea of the good guy, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood's character, mm-hmm. he's actually not a very likable person when you break down like his actions. True. So it's supposed to be like, no, the western figures like this shouldn't be idealized. Yeah. Like like John Wayne. Like the the all good cowboy man is, is a myth. And... and I have problems with that versus how stylized the movie is, but we can get that's a whole separate thing. It's mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a Zack Snyder esque thing sure. where he wants to make it realistic, but it's so over the top and you know, yeah. I, there's there's a bit of a problem there. I'm having a disconnect, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's completely besides the point. Um, but I love the score. Yeah, the score is amazing. Um, it was funny. That, that would, I, I like. I, I was looking into it. I'm like, I might be adding this to like my own movie score yeah. playlist that I have. Mm-hmm. Like, some a lot of these tracks are amazing. Um, like I said, there were a couple points where I, and this was mainly because I was not emotionally engaged in the movie at all. Mm-hmm. There were a couple points where where like Clint Eastwood or or uh, the bad Lee Van Cleef's character, and I found that distracting. That he was playing playing a completely different character than <laughs> his character in a few dollars more, or for a few dollars more. Um, Although, if they're going to do that, I'm glad they did that rather than cast him as another quote-unquote good guy. Like, Oh, you mean like they did with the bad guy Exactly, the like the movies? fact <laughs> that the first two movies had the same actor playing the villain. I think it was this was a cool twist where it was like, oh, okay, so he was the, the good guy last time, now he's the bad guy. Um, and he's good at it. So, I mean, the, the performance is good. The villain from the first two movies is the, the uh, Union captain, correct? Is he? I don't know. Look into that. That's that's <laughs> I, I, I that's that's what I thought. Not. I, I want to say wrong. he's only in the first two. I could be wrong. Okay. Are you talking about the guy that Bozo, the guy the, the guy who's merch? who's drunk and is showing them around the okay. place for some reason? He's like, "You guys are gonna volunteer. You're my new best friends." Okay, I got shot. <laughs> uh, I I was baffled for oh, a lot I of that sequence. That. I love that. No, 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 no I I liked it quite a bit, but I had no idea why this was in the movie. <laughs> um. I, I knew why I was in the movie. Sure. I'm exaggerating a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love the score. Mm-hmm. Um, Ennio or Ernio? Is it Ennio? Ennio mm-hmm. Marconi? Ennio Morricone. Okay. Morricone. There's okay. probably uh, like, a, like a rolling R in there, but... Uh, I'm not Italian. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, he does good work. And there's a reason that Tarantino uses him for, for some of his spaghetti western mm-hmm. stuff. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um it was funny cuz well, I was going to yeah. say real quick um when I watched this I was like that might be a top 5 film score like yeah. all time. 
uh, at least, at least not not of, one of my personal favorites. But right. I think if I if I'm trying to look at it a bit yeah. more objectively, it's just like, it would probably yeah. Holy crap! Um, and and then I I said that, and I was kind of like, am I am I being hyperbolic here? And I looked it up, and there there are a few. I mean, not that like <laughs> this makes it in any way official, but there are yeah. there are definitely a couple of lists out there that are like, yeah, this is this is yeah. like pretty comprehensive score lists or score rankings. Well, I. I, I completely like passed over my point. There were a couple of times when the music, like um, Clint Eastwood's character, like they would be looking at all the damage that mm. was being caused by the Civil War, and there's just just these long lingering sequences of them just looking at at this this uh, war torn city and all this wreckage and stuff, and the sad music's playing. I'm like, I'm not feeling anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like the music's nice, but I'm, I'm yeah. just having no emotional investment i was gonna say to to me that's and that's kind of going back to my my best thing um i felt like those moments i i felt were very very powerful to me so that's part of the disconnect overall and the fact that well that's because you have a heart and soul and apparently i don't (laughs) correct because my favorite movie is alien 3 so what what i'm saying that's not true sure sure what i am saying (laughs) is that this this guy was not in uh the good the bad and the ugly the, the okay, I could have sworn that that captain was was that guy, which is funny because it's like you see him in the second one, you're like, is 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 that the guy? Yeah, and then yeah. Like, it's like, well, oh, now because no, I, I was kind of looking for him for a se- for a second, I thought he was the ugly, and I was like, did they just put like a fake <laughs> nose on him? What's going on? I don't know. Yeah. Um. I've got a few things I could do for my bad, th- my my worst thing. Um, I, I'll be honest, I didn't care for Tuco at all. I found him extremely unpleasant, <laughs> and I kind of was hoping he was going to get shot, like whenever he was on screen, and then he just kept surviving. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't care about this guy at all. Um, the scene where he's talking with his brother was like the only scene where I felt anything for him. Sure, and that's the only scene where I feel like they're trying to flesh out his character a little bit. But then he just kept screwing over Clint Eastwood over and over again. I'm like, Clint Eastwood, just shoot him in the head and be done with it. <laughs> there were so many times where, like, characters were, were going to shoot people and then they don't because they want to have it, you know, prolonged because this is a movie. Um, and there's that bit where Tuco's in the bath and the bounty hunter from the beginning of the movie shows up. Um, I need to talk about that scene because all the coincidences there will just drive me up the wall. Oh, um, really, really weird. Sorry, side note. I'm, I'm just going to yeah. drive in here. Um, the uh, Tuco is actually I knew I recognized him from somewhere he is actually uh, to to call back this um, he plays Don Altabello in The Godfather Part 3 and I'm trying to remember Eli Wallach right? yes I'm trying to remember what his exact role in Godfather Part Godfather Part 3 is um, Wikipedia says he's the primary antagonist I don't remember a whole lot of that movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, he's he's a guy. So we've we've run into him before. Is it sad that I like The Godfather Part Three more than The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? Really? See, that's interesting because the and I, I made this. Comparison. I don't know that I'll be putting this above Fistful of Dollars. I think I might have mm-hmm. liked that one more than <laughs> this. Well, I was gonna say for me, this was the movie where that we watched the first two. I liked Fistful of Dollars uh, well and good. I thought a four for a few, for a few dollars more kind of stayed its welcome. And then this one, when I watched it, I was like, oh, now I get it. Like, I, I I understood why this was hailed as kind of a classic. And 
you know, why it's still sort of revered to this day. Uh, and in a lot of the same way that when we watched the first Godfather, I was like, yep, I understand. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I never had that light bulb turn on above my head, and it, that that disappointed me greatly. <laughs> sure. I was like, oh, I, I'm not going to feel good during this <laughs> podcast. Um, but the whole bit where Tuco, getting back to my point, where Tuco's in the bath and the bounty hunter from the beginning shows up, mm-hmm. and I have all sorts of questions about coincidence and people showing up where other people are, and this is a very small world. Um but but you know the guy has a prolonged speech and then Tuco just shoots him. He's like, "Don't talk, just shoot him." I'm like, "Take your own advice, you moron! You were trying to get Clint Eastwood to hang himself. You could have just shot him, <laughs> you moron." It happens, and that that happens at several points during the movie. Sure, um, and it was driving me crazy. Um, <laughs> also, Lee Van Cleef, I really liked him in. The previous movie, him and Clint Eastwood combined, I believe, were my best thing because mm-hmm. I just enjoyed their, them a lot. He is so underutilized in this movie. Yeah. Um, for being the bad guy, like there's there's nothing to his character. Well, and and I I think that they do a good job. To me, at least, I felt like they did a really good job of of making him a a threat. Um, in the sense that he they they did use him very very sparingly, and whenever he showed up, he was generally doing pretty awful stuff. Um. And so I wasn't too bothered by that. I had the same thought where I was kind of, again, kind of going into, they they spent a lot of time on Tuco early for like, it's not quite the first half of the movie, but there's a, probably like the an, middle third. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I felt like with him, cause the, the sort of, not the opening, but right after the opening, the, the second sequence of the movie is him in this really great scene, um, threatening the, uh, this family. Uh, trying to get information out of his family, and that's where he gets the information about the 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 gold that he ultimately ends up, uh, you know, kind of tracking down. Which yeah. is another point I have that I'll get to, as far as why I think this one is more effective than the others. Anyway, um, he they they do a good job. You know, he shows up. He he kills the guy. He kills I think one or two of his sons. <laughs> um, no, he kills one of them. He, he kills one the of the, one, one of his sons. Yeah. And and leaves this this poor widowed uh, woman and and her small child heartbroken and alone. She's like, oh god. Uh, after he's just uh, murdered these guys, and then immediately goes and murders the guy that paid him to murder those guys, so that he can go track down that money. Um, I'm like, the guy has a code. He gets paid. He does the job. <laughs> My favorite part of that is the line where he's like, uh, he tells the guy that he that paid him to kill the the guy killed first uh yeah. he's like uh he gave me he asked me uh how much you paid me um i think he was intending me to like he, he the original guy uh who he was just going to bully uh never actually said you know oh i need you to, i want sh- i want to pay you to go back and kill him yeah. um he he was just trying to pay him it seems to leave him alone but then leave and cleef's character was like oh i think that guy was trying to pay me to kill you that counts as a payment guess i gotta do it <laughs> sorry about that i liked it <laughs> no that was great um the, the, if if there's one thing i will say is that sergio leone is good at having intro scenes for his, his yeah definitely main characters um like he's, he always comes up with cool entrances for people mm-hmm. Um, and despite me hating Tuco, I like the opening scene where yeah. those guys, it's, 
once again, it's too long, but the, all the guys show up, the, the three bounty hunters show up, and they try and break into the hotel or whatever. Also, where is everybody in this town? Is it a ghost town? Sure. Is it... No. Too often in these movies, I'm going, where is everybody? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure they, the, the budgets for these were pretty low, but... Yeah. There's a whole scene where there, we have, like, two armies fighting each other. Um, come on. True, true. Yeah, I was going to say, the budget for this civilians. one... The budget for this one does not feel small, considering no. they, are, they are creating a uh, uh, 1967 version of Helm's Deep uh, yeah. by the end when of the I, movie. When, we, when it gets to that bridge scene, I was like, oh, <laughs> you, you've caught my eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, like... like you know, they, they run in, you hear some gunshots, and then Tuco just jumps out the window, <laughs> and the guys are laying there apparently dead. Yeah. I'm like, all right, that's good. And then he just rides off. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. Then I hated Tuco, so it's all good. <laughs> um, So Tuco could be my worst thing. Underutilizing Lee Van Cleef could be my worst thing. I'm going to go with the length okay. as my worst thing. Um, and that's been a complaint I've had for mm-hmm. all three of these movies, even the one that's like an hour 45. Right. Um, I think if you edited this down to two hours, I could be made to really like this movie. There were so many scenes that just kept going, <laughs> even after I was like, all right, I've got the point of the scene. And then we'd go on for and, another five minutes. Right. And the plot, it feels like a novel. Yes. Very much so. It doesn't feel like a movie. It feels mm-hmm. like a novel where, e- like, there's so many little chapters, and that you could have repetitive things like that. Like, like they they get captured a few times. I'm like, okay, that that would be fine in a novel. In a movie, you need to streamline that. Sure. And my, of course, it's, it's just my opinion. Not a, most people aren't going to agree with me. I felt I there valid. were several. I felt there were several points in this movie where it's like, cut that, streamline, mm-hmm. cut these two scenes together. All right. Mm-hmm. It is, um, I think, interesting to think about this in terms of... Uh, and again, I mean, think about how many um, movies from the 50s... Classic movies from the 50s and 60s are novel adaptations and not, like, Lord of the Rings or uh, Harry yeah. Potter, but, like, not actual literary... Not not that either of those aren't don't have literary value or anything like that, but I'm saying... Because um, they don't. I mean, it can be argued... Uh, Once again, contrarian. Sure, sure. Uh, but no, like, like um, I'm just saying in terms of these are novels that are considered great American classics. Yeah. And uh, these are getting adapted into movies, and so it was very much a time where that was a that was a method of storytelling. You look at, I mean, you think about um, Gone with the Wind being however long that movie is. It's like four hours, yeah. and I don't like that movie very much either. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is I think which that... isn't to say I don't like older films. There are sure. plenty of older films that I like. There are plenty of older films that are way too long that mm-hmm. I like. Mm-hmm. Perfect example: the the John Wayne Alamo <laughs> movie where he the, plays Davy Crockett. The I've second time this up you've a couple dropped? times. Yes, because that's the only like comparison I can make for mm-hmm. a western from this time that I've actually watched. Right. There's a whole subplot in that movie before they actually go to the Alamo. Where he's trying to help this this woman who's being like forced into marriage by this guy who's supplying weapons and ammo to the Mexicans, um, and it's this whole subplot. I'm like, this doesn't need to be in the movie, but some <laughs> for some reason I'm liking it. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's partially because it helps to characterize Davy Crockett. Um, I don't know. 
Sure. It's com- it's complicated. Movies are a complicated <laughs> business. It's almost like you can't judge them all on the same spectrum. You got to take them one at right. a time. And that's sort of what I'm thinking here is that this very much came from a time where it was okay to have. And we've talked about this in the past two podcasts, but it it was. And I mean, again, talking about long movies, look at The Godfather. Uh, yeah. Very same. Very much same kind of idea, where it was it was okay to have a meandering movie that seemed to like pop back into these character li- characters' lives over a, a long period of years. Um, yeah, yeah. T- tastes have definitely changed uh, since '67. You know, for for better or for worse. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that that making a a, a call either way. Um, and, and it's just that things were different back then. Like people people yeah. didn't watch movies the same way, didn't expect the same thing from movies. So it was a lot more uh, reasonable for something like this to come out. Right. Um, and I it personally, I I think it really worked for me. I I feel like. Uh, and I'll, I'll go into why this worked when the other ones didn't. This one, I was more invested, despite being uh, three hours, which is hour and 15 longer than the first one, and, like, I don't know how much longer than the second one. Like, well, we watched the extended version, I think correct? the extended... Is there I, a version that's, like, 15 minutes shorter? Is there... I did not... was not able to confirm this. I was trying to look this up. Um, we watched the, the cut that's right at about three hours. Right. We'll, we'll just leave that there. Which I think is... Because I just, like, found... Or I think, um... I actually have... have Or borrowed the DVDs from special friend of the podcast, Joseph. And, uh... Oh, okay. He, uh... It just came with the three-hour cut, so I just watched that. So I don't know if that's... I don't know. I don't know how that works. But... Is it, is it, is it like the Daredevil director's cut, where that's just the only one released <laughs> to the Everyone public up right now? Very well. You, you can't... I... I I dare you to go find oh the God. Daredevil theatrical cut anywhere. My interpretation was that the uh, three-hour cut... from, like, sure. old DVDs from 2003. <laughs> um, my interpretation was that the three-hour cut was the American cut, like, like mm-hmm. redone, redubbed for English. That, that, was, right. that was what I thought was happening. Anyway, how long was For a Few Dollars More? Two hours and like something. Two, two ten, two yeah. fifteen. So, despite the fact that this movie was uh, an hour longer than the previous or the first, and and forty five minutes longer than the previous, I was more interested in this movie the entire time than I was uh, in in like I don't know what how how to how to word that metric, but <laughs> quick quick power rankings for boredom. <laughs> yeah, basically, like this movie kept me invested in the entire time. Um, the other ones did not, despite the fact that they were shorter. Uh, I I just generally, I felt like, and a lot of it has, we talked about this last time about, I'm a lot more willing to just let a movie tell me where to go. Um, it, it's a, it's the gif of uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, I may have said that wrong. But the, the WWE guy or, or whatever it is, I'm probably making people uh, extremely upset by like confusing all my wrestling references and or mispronouncing things. Um but the the it's the gif uh, that's a series of him him just making like increasingly uh, absurd reactions to things, uh, yeah, and like falling over in his chair. That that's very much how I how I kind of felt watching this. I was just like, oh okay, oh okay, all right, all right, like just just letting the movie sort of carry me along its its journey. Um, again, very much like you would read a novel where it's it's you're not necessarily expecting to, um move through it very quickly you're 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 sort of just being swept along and it's this big epic narrative uh, right and that and that was sort of that worked a lot for me uh i can see how it would definitely not and i think a lot of people who watched i think a lot of people you know of our generation which is not at all to say 
Oh, our generation has no uh, attention span hacks. Teenagers are the worst, even though we're not teenagers. Um, but uh, I, w- I do think that we've been raised on a different kind of storytelling when it comes to film and television. And because of that, I think that uh, this one would probably bore a lot of people if, if you showed it to them today. You're just like, all right, here's a classic. Go watch it. They'd be like, this is boring. Um, <laughs> and, and you know I think it's fair I think that's a fair reaction to have when you've been trained to, to expect something different from your cinema um, but I, I do think that for me particularly uh, again I, I'm, I've maybe because I've sought out media that's a little more like this um, I'm a little more okay with just being in the moment and enjoying what the movie's telling me and, and kind of Assuming that it's all going to connect and then, then maybe piecing it together afterwards uh, to make sure that I, I actually did like follow the flow and everything. Um, for me, I, I was able to be fully absorbed in the movie. Um, I was really invested in the characters. I thought they were very compelling and generally just loved almost every second of it. Um, I felt like it was sort of dripping with atmosphere. I, th- I think the Wild West uh, panorama really came through Again, going back to that Civil War, uh, that historical backdrop, I, I think that just turned it into something that really, for me, just captivated me. Um, I had a ton of fun with it. Really enjoyed it. And I did not. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but that is not to say that your point is invalid, basically. I, 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 think, you, I think you've... There is, there is no reason to feel upset for not being uh, super invested in a three-hour movie that was made... 50 years ago, regardless of its quality. I I just don't get it. (laughs) But Tyler, I just don't get it. Like, like this great, this great sweeping epic that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing it. You're, you're, you're saying it it completely absorbed you. I'm saying it's meandering. Right. Right. And that's what I'm saying is I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's any accounting for taste in this scenario. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I can my, explain my to you the things. tight and lean. Sure. I like scenes that, that flow well into each other. I like a nice cohesive plot. Mm-hmm. I don't like fat. You trim that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like nice character arcs. Give me something to care about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a hard time latching on to anybody in this movie. Sure. Um, Clint Eastwood is Clint Eastwood, and thus he is awesome but he still has no character other than he is awesome man. Right. Um, and I think this might just be cause like, like I was saying earlier, the idea of he, he is not a straight up good guy. Mm-hmm. He's an antihero. Mm-hmm. He does terrible things. He's selfish. He, he's only out for himself, but there's a few moments of, of kindness from him. He's, he's uh, uh, the, the rough and tumble outlaw with a heart of gold. Yeah. <laughs> Except for when he he does <laughs> sometimes. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, but yeah, there's. I don't know. There's. It's it's hard to say. Um, the whole thing about going with the anti-hero mm-hmm. versus traditional, like John Wayne, you know, classic good guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like he's not fleshed out enough in any of these movies for me. 
And that's what I think kind of going This back is to a you. prequel, right? Because he gets the poncho sure, sure. after he finds the, the one guy and he dies. Seems to be the idea. But okay. again, remember that... It... I know there's a loose continuity. It doesn't really yeah. matter. It's just Clint Eastwood is the man with no name. Get on with it. Yes. Um, I really like that. If that is indeed supposed to be the idea that this is a prequel, it's a nice, subtle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you might not even notice it. Sure. That that oh he got the poncho and, and he picks not... up the poncho from a from a dying guy who he gives his jacket. That's yeah that's, yeah yeah. That scene was very nice. Um, I felt like the movie was was trying to tell me something with that. Mm-hmm. No, none of the thematic stuff really came out to me mm-hmm. and really felt cohesive in the movie. Um, you, you're talking about how like it's a bunch of these characters that aren't really involved in the conflict of the Civil War and they kind of just use it to their own ends yeah. and whatever. I don't feel like that came through enough for me. Like those those two elements did not connect enough mm. for me. Um, I think that's partially because people just kind of show up wherever, and yes. time, space, and geography doesn't really matter in this movie. Um, like they show up to the prison, and Lee Van Cleef is just there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how did did he know they were coming? Is he was that his plan? How is he? Seems like or, it. or is it just coincidence that he's there? I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I feel like there are lines that that hint, or, or at least the way the the scenes are played, it hints that he specifically came there to try and uh, kn- knowing that these guys would get pulled in and um, or kind of maybe using the resources at least to search for these guys. We'll say that. Um, but yeah. But at the same time, again, going back to the fact that he's not very fleshed out, if you're going to do that, I'd rather them do it this way, where if they're not going to like give him really much like redemption or anything like that, or, or much of a, a nuance, I'd rather them do it this way, where it's like, he just shows up and you're like, oh god, this guy this guy is apparently very resourceful. He has, he has become a, a, a military commander in the Union Army, and I'm not really sure how he pulled that off. Yeah. Um, and again, sort of the same thing, where he, <clears throat> he comes back at the end uh, to have the final standoff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't find him intimidating or threatening very much. Oh, interesting. His performance has worked really well for me, and I think, again, that introductory scene. Uh, I think him. it's all in the introductory scene. I don't think mm-hmm. there's enough throughout the rest of the movie for me to be like, oh, he's like a threatening, I mean, intimidating the, guy. I, I genuinely the, fear for Clint Eastwood whenever he comes up against this guy. I never I mean, the, did. the part where he brutally... Uh, Pounds Tuco with an inch of his. Most leg. of that is his henchman. Yes, I'm aware. It's not, it's not him. But he's still, he's still ordering it, and he's still telling him to do, like basically watching this man get flayed within an inch of his, within an inch of his life. Yeah, but I hated Tuco, so I was like, all right, I'm fine with this. <laughs> I'm on Lee Van Cleef's like, side yeah! during this scene. Um, now, if you could just shoot him, and also be done. The, the bit about him, him getting Clint Eastwood uh, there, and he's like, hey, we're going for a ride, and Clint Eastwood's like, you're not going to try and beat me, and he's like, would you talk, and he's like. No, I know it wouldn't help. Yeah, and it's like there. Are... There were elements of this plot that I liked. Like I said, if you cut it down to two hours, I think I would like See that, it. A lot I mean, more. that's just that's just interesting to me because I felt like every scene was something very clever like that. Um, and I could I could give a laundry list of of things where it's just nice, uh, sort of clever plot beats and character moments that I I really really enjoyed and I felt stringed very consistently throughout the movie. Um, the part where they they are riding along and they see uh, guys in gray uniforms riding up and they're like, 
That was my favorite part of the movie. Oh, I thought that was great. Where they were that like, was my favorite scene of the whole movie. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, we're oh, uh, they're they're they got great shirts. We're we're good." Uh, and then they, they he started the saying, "Confederates like, yeah. down with Grant. We love who? Which general is it? General Lee." <laughs> and then they show up, and the, it's all these uh, Confederates with with uh, or, or, or no, it's all union, union, union soldiers, guys with, and they're covered in like dust and stuff. Yeah, uh, and they're wiping so it off. All and it's like, oh, them. they have navy uniforms, and, then, and they're all and there's just this one guy at the head of the the cavalry that's just like. I'm gonna kill you guys. <laughs> um, and that was great. Uh, and kind of before that, the bit where um, Tuco is is Clint Eastwood sort of sort of watches from a distance as Tuco uh, gets in the the argument with his brother, and then he's like, "Ah, oh, my brother!" Like they're leaving the the mission. And he's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, my brother. He loves me. He always lets me stay. I knew that we'd we'd be able to come and and have a, a good cup of soup. It's great to know there's someone out there who has my back." And just completely like sort of putting on a a false face and lying up a storm. Yeah, you know about about his relationship. They kind of seem more self important. Seem like he's connected. And Clint Eastwood is kind of like, "Yeah, you know, yeah, that's, that's that is good to know. Fam- family's always great." And gives him a, a draft of his uh, cigar. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that. I really enjoy their relationship. I think their banter works really well. Um, Are they friends or not? Well, that's my thing is that I, I think it's because it again it goes back to the pity thing where it's like Clint Eastwood is very much uh, looking at Tuco and I think the same way that the audience is sort of intended to where we we see him and he's kind of this this pathetic man who uh, is is sort of screwing other people out of uh, you know their 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 lives at points and at least their yeah. money and that sort of thing in order to suit his own ends and. Um, Clint Eastwood's kind of having pity on him because he doesn't even really he knows that Tuco doesn't even really comprehend uh, the the state he's in and the fact that he is sort of uh, the lowest of all men <laughs> the lowest of all of yeah. all uh, humanity um, and and sort of takes pity on him and 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 won't quite let him die uh, and I I think that that comes across really well especially the ending um, I'm I'm jumping all over the place and I feel like I should center our conversation on something uh, yeah. But that I, I think that's great with the the finale where he leaves. He he does. It's the, basically the callback to the. It's the ultimate troll move. Yes, <laughs> I had no idea what to make of it. <laughs> well, just the... Ex- explain the whole point of that scene to me. What do you mean? I don't get why he 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 trolls him like that. So that he can get away without Tuco screwing him over. That's the only reason? I assume so. I mean, it's that. Okay. It's, it's a thematic callback. Not Maybe not thematic callback, but it is a, a factual callback to the uh, freeing him um, as he leaves. the Or free, freeing him after he turns him in for the bounty. Um, and it's it's basically a way for him to make sure that Tuco can get the money, but he can get as far away as he, as he can from Tuco without um, Tuco ever bothering him again, basically. Um, See... That would be fine, except we've had a scene previously where the two of them get separated, and then Tuco finds him in like five minutes. I feel like I feel like you can't really come back from that relationship, though. And also, that's that's, and also, mm-hmm. that's probably the biggest moment where I said, "Cut this down, mm-hmm. splice these things together." Um, Clint Eastwood takes out Tuco's friends who just kind of show up and then immediately die. Wasn't mm-hmm. sure about that. Once again, mm-hmm. edit this thing down. He shoots those guys. Tuco I mean, shows up, tries to get him to hang himself, and then a cannonball conveniently hits the building. Sure. All right, fine, I'll go with it. Whatever. And then Clint Eastwood just disappears, Batman style, because sure. he knew one day. Clint Eastwood. Uh, he he knew one day people on the internet would go, "Hey, cast him as Batman." 
Um, and then Tuco just finds him in five minutes and then drags him through the desert. I'm like, why not just have... He has him at gunpoint and then they go to the desert. Like, we don't need the whole hangman scene aside from, I guess, setting up your, your thematic... That's what I'm saying. Is with, I, I think that's nukes. a nice through line throughout their relationship in general is, is, you know, it starts off with, oh, that's a really interesting dynamic. It's it's bounty hunter captures guy, um, takes him to, to get his reward in town, and then uh, frees him. And so they, they get to split their reward money. Like, that's a that's a cool setup. And then that is a very cool idea. I like that. And then a lot. and then where they kind of uh, break off because it keeps you know that it keeps becoming Tuco's a, a jerk. Yeah, and, and it's becoming kind of as as Norm Macdonald would say, he's a real jerk. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's kind of a uh, becoming close calls, and and Clint Eastwood's not really sure how he feels about working with this scumbag, and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to call it off, and, and he lets him get back to town. <clears throat> and and that's the other thing too. Doesn't he just leave Tuco in the desert with like no? Yeah, he tells Tuco like, he's without, like hey, without water or horse. He's like, hey, hey, you can probably get back to town, or yeah, you you can probably get back to town before uh, um you, you you run out of water in your body, I guess. Um, but then he, it's like he doesn't expect there to be any repercussions. I yeah, I don't know. Well, just because he he probably doesn't think too. Clint Eastwood's much. a smart man. I don't buy it. <laughs> but like the and the difference between that and the ending is that that's very much like ah, I screwed you over, and then Tuco's like I got an axe to grind. Whereas um, at the end, he he leaves him half the money. Yeah, he leaves. He actually leaves him his share of the money, um, and I think that makes a lot of the difference. Um, also, how much money was that? Did they ever specify the, like the dollar amount? I thought they might have. I feel like if they did, I was, was going to say, on. I feel like that's enough money for Clint Eastwood to retire. <laughs> oh, wait, there's supposed to be two more movies that are, are set after this, no, no, I no, guess? No, no, Alex, they're all alternate realities. This is the reboot after <laughs> the, the failed uh, $2, or $2, for a few dollars more uh, cinematic universe. They, 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 okay. they cleaned the slate after two movies and rebooted it. What's what's that image at the end of the movie? The final final title title thing that says the end. What's that in the corner? Is that a Sony logo? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Lord. Uh, but yeah, let, let's get into why why I enjoyed the Civil War backdrop and, and generally just how that tied. And that, we've already kind of kind of hit on some of the points. And it's not necessarily that like there's there's much more to say beyond making this story. To me, at least, very interesting and very compelling because you've you've sort of created this world of death and destruction. Um, yeah. But it goes back to the fact that that you know Van Cleef he's able to show up in this this Union camp and take advantage of the Union's resources, even though the Union are the good guys, and for the most part, the the movie portrays them that way. Um, you know, good guys being a, a relative term for for war, but I think in, again in this case, you know, it's hard hard to argue there's been a more morally just <laughs> side in a, in a war. Um, <clears throat> if you disagree, please please don't say anything because I I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> um, but the I don't know I think the orcs in Lord of the Rings had a point. <laughs> uh, Sauron did nothing wrong. He didn't. All he wanted was a cool. He wanted a dope ring. Mm-hmm. That's all he wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those stupid elves wouldn't let him keep it. <laughs> but. The they saw that bling and they said, "Nope, can't yep. let you keep that." But yeah, it, it kind of starts with um, Van Cleef going to the uh, <clears throat> the Confederate soldiers who are all bailing, and he's trying to track down Bill Carson. 
um, because he's gotten this name. And that's that. I, I should say that right away. That's what part of what made the biggest difference for me um, was that we establish in the first, you know, handful of scenes where like here is what the point of this is. Um, we are, or the point of the the movie is, is that all these characters, the or these three characters are going to be bouncing back and forth trying to get this gold. Yeah. And so right away we have, and and obviously right away I wasn't sure if that was going to carry through the rest of the movie, but it ended up carrying through the rest of the movie. And that being a plot line that was, you know, sort of there through the entirety of the movie and was ultimately an overarching theme that allowed us to have a goal and know, okay, this is where we're going. Because like I've said, as much as I'm okay generally with a movie, kind of letting me just, just guide it where it may, uh, the last two movies got pretty aimless, and and I really did not know where we were going or like what I was kind of just waiting for the big fight at the end. Um, this one, I, it, the stakes were a lot more clear in terms of like, all right, they're trying to get a bunch of gold. Here's how they're going about trying to get it. You know, they're trying to make connections, talk to people. Um, the the general idea or or setup they have with Clint Eastwood, um, where he is he's the only one who learns where the the gold is buried so like tuco knows the the cemetery and then clint eastwood knows the name of the the grave that it's buried in Um, yeah and then uh van cleef getting the the cemetery name out of tuco but then not knowing from um clint eastwood what the name is like that that whole series of like secrecy and, and sort of going back and forth that's that's excellent um and uh the bit with Tuco and Clint Eastwood uh, telling each other where each thing is, or like like divulging each piece of information, and, and Clint Eastwood tells him, oh, it's in the grave of this guy named Arch Stanton, which we realize later, it's actually not in Arch Stanton's grave, it's in the grave beside Arch Stanton, so he's able and to... And that, that was something that I thought was going to be a mistake yes. on the movie's part, yeah. um, where it's like, did he just make up that name mm-hmm. and it just happened mm-hmm. to be there? The and then he's thought. like, no, 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 the guy said it's the one right next to Arch Stanton that says unknown, I'm like... All right, <laughs> you thought about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was great. <clears throat> and in general, the fact that we it, it also makes it really interesting that we never learn, like we don't see the scene where Bill tells tells uh, Clint Eastwood, you know, what the the name is, and in fact that it's beside an actual marked grave. Um, and because of that, and we don't necessarily question that. Uh, because it just kind of is like an interesting. I mean, that we don't know that there's any like purpose to knowing the name at that point and then we re- we realize later oh they were hiding that because that ends up being a plot point um i think it's all a lot of fun you have a thought if i'm clint eastwood mm-hmm. and tuco's about to force me to hang myself a cannonball hits the building tuco crumples through and i'm like i can leave i can disappear but mm-hmm. he'll find me in five minutes it's mm-hmm. fine ignoring that i would go i'm gonna kill tuco now <laughs> But that's the thing is he never kills Tuco. So it's like, again... Why? Because he pities him. I've, I've mentioned this. Keep if up. If he's holding me at gunpoint and tries <laughs> to get me to hang myself, the man's a goner. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not wrong. Clint Eastwood, you're a moron. I mean, that's fair, but that's also not a plot hole. <laughs> that is that is a, a modern age plot hole of character didn't do thing that is the most logical thing to do in a situation therefore plot hole add cinema sins <laughs> strike number one welcome to movies suck starring tyler and alex welcome to movies are just the worst <laughs> especially ones people like 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, fair fair point. But I, I think that that's the overall idea is that he he does actually pity him and even maybe sort of care about him to an extent, and that he's trying to to not just flat out murder the guy. But he also is like, this guy's becoming a problem. Um, I don't think that at least for the first half of the movie isn't sure. enough of the foreground. Yeah, I'm I did not get that sense for a good long while that mm-hmm. that's why Clint Eastwood was keeping him alive. Right. Really until they get to the hospital yeah. and Clint Eastwood starts to get better and then the whole conversation between Tuco and his brother mm-hmm. did that uh, okay, I'm starting to get a sense for Clint Eastwood mildly cares about him at least. Yeah. Before that, nope. Yeah. Shot in the head. <laughs> right between the eyes. Sure, sure. Um once again, this movie's too long. Get to that second half. I did like the second half a lot better than the first half. Okay. I found the first half... And it's it's ironic because that was how I, <laughs> the opposite of how I felt about A Few Dollars More. Right. Where the first half for that was... I'm like, all right, I like it. I like these two characters. Mm-hmm. We're, right, we're getting our plot going. It's a little slow, but it's fine. And then, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> they didn't play in the done. other half. It's like you're, <laughs> writing, you're riding a railroad and then you look ahead and you're like, are there are there any tracks over there? And they're like, oh, we're, I, we're trying to lay them down right now. And it's like, what are you... <laughs> I want to somehow splice in the first half of for a few dollars more with the last half of the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm like, why does Lee Van Cleek suddenly hate Clint Eastwood? I want I want a trailer cut of uh, all using footage from all three that that shows the the fall of uh, Lee Van Cleef and uh, and how uh, it's it's like it's like the Dark Knight. Tuco's the Joker. Yes. Lee Van Cleef is our Harvey Dent, and then mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Clint Eastwood's mm-hmm. Batman because mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood is Batman. <laughs> Lordy. Um, speaking of which, uh, fun thing that I I felt like at least was a callback. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure if it was supposed to be, but it definitely seemed like it. Mm-hmm. When uh, he shoots Lee Van Cleef's hat into the grave after he kills Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. Um, callback to the kind of silly scene from the the previous Question. movie. Is the the grave that he falls into, is that the one they actually dug up? No. That's just a random one. That's just a random one, yeah. Okay, that that seemed kind of weird to me. <laughs> that they just have a random one just there. I, I guess. <laughs> it seemed weird. I don't know. Um, I, I think it would have been kind of poetic if he ended up falling into the fake grave. Fair. I don't know. Fair, but he walked away from that. No, that, yeah. yeah, he walked away from that in the, the longest Mexican standoff <laughs> I've ever seen. Um... Which again, I could not tell if I was supposed to take that Mexican sure. standoff seriously or not. Um, it felt like a skit out of Family. I, I mean, I seriously was wait like I I I can see definitely how you would feel that way, and I was like sort of out of mind thinking, yeah, you know this this probably should be a lot more comical than I feel like it is. Um, but actually watching it just because again I enjoyed the rest of the movie so thoroughly, uh, I was really really invested. I was like sitting there, edge of my seat, like. I don't actually know what they're going to do here in terms of... I mean, obviously, Clint Eastwood's going to be fine, but in terms of the other characters, because I wasn't sure if it was going to be, like, Lee Van Cleef and Tuco shoot themselves at the same time, or... This is the problem. So much of this movie hinges on, do you care about Tuco? Sure. And I absolutely (laughs) did not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I thought that was very interesting, because the way they set it up, and the way that, like, Clint Eastwood never even touched his... uh, gun basically until he got like he was just sitting there and it was like is he even going to try and shoot anybody yeah. um and then the fact that Tuco and, and Lee Van Cleef are looking at each other and it's kind of like are they going to shoot each other is he is because I thought that would have been an interesting way to do it is if they just shot each other and then Clint Eastwood just took the money and ran um 
<clears throat> I've been through the desert <laughs> on a horse uh, with no name. Oh, but, wait, it's not the horse with no name. It's the Clint Eastwood with no name. But that was the thing is I was interested in how that was going to turn out. And so I, I thought that was very cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like that quite a bit. Go, going back to the overall scene you were talking about with the epic score playing while Tuco runs around the, the Civil War graveyard, um, which is hilarious, I should say, because I had previously... Uh, listen to that track or like use that track in a playlist I made before so that like a score playlist just because I like found it and I thought it was a good track yeah um, clearly because it very much is and uh, it's like the most epic thing I've ever yeah. heard and and so when that started playing while it was Tuco running around the, the graveyard I thought I was like huh like I want to and- splice in Thor showing up to Wakanda with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would agree I want to see that um but the overall point, I think, is it's got Tuco, who's this kind of silly comedic character who who doesn't really have any self-awareness. Um, he's in it for himself. He's just trying to find this, this stupid grave. But he's he's oblivious to this massive grave that is constantly being shown in panning shots of just, like, all these dead guys who died, you know, just without basically without anybody remembering them like they, they've been abandoned the, the army's gone yeah. that grave's just gonna sit there with all these people who who you know will never see their families again and he's running around <clears throat> and i feel like that is really like the culmination of <clears throat> a lot of the ideas in the movie in that it's like look at all this pointless horrible violence um and you've got this guy just r- literally running around to the backdrop of that not even like processing you know, the fact that, oh, maybe I should have some respect for this. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I, I think it's weird. I think it can definitely be, you can definitely perceive it as comical because it is a very, very epic score. Like I thought it, it was hilarious. It's almost too epic for, for what I they c- were going for, but I think it Almost does... too epic? No, 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 Are you I, kidding me? I literally do think it works, because I think it actually, like, it's, it's the idea of... I think it again going back to the fact that I think a lot of the Civil War stuff where it shows these Civil War camps that are just torn and battered and I think his score really effectively brings out the emotion of that Um, I feel like it's the same way here where it's like that is look at all of this like I don't know it's a it's a weird feeling I'm not I'm not gonna deny it and I'm not gonna say that like I can because of the fact that clearly it's hard to put into words I can't just be like it's obvious you're not getting it um but, I mean, it is obvious I'm not getting it because I don't know what to make of but, the scene. That is the definition of I'm not I'm, getting I'm it. I'm saying I think it very much toes the line of it's it's basically showing the the. I mean, almost going back to what you were saying about the satire of of the western. Um, it's showing these characters that that maybe a western might typically use, and these these so basically all these these petty squabbles that westerns typically have. Um, and the fact that they are ultimately very, very meaningless. Um, I don't know. That evokes something really interesting for me. And I can't. I really can't put a word to it. I, I can understand why you didn't like it and why it's kind of silly. Um, but I think that was a really interesting, compelling choice. I don't know. To have this, I found this epic it scene. very, very funny, sure. and I didn't know if I was supposed to be laughing or not. I think I don't think it's supposed to be played completely straight. I, I think you are supposed to recognize the absurdity of the scene. But am I supposed to be laughing my head off at it? I don't know. I don't know about that. You'd have to talk. Like to... I, it was one of the funniest things. You'd have I've to talk to Sergio Leone. Yeah. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was 
bizarre. Yeah. And I think that was I I do think bizarre is at least part of the 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 result they were going for with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I also talk about the scene where um Clint Eastwood and uh Tuco they meet up and Tuco's in the bathtub or whatever? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I talked about that a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Are there lines talking about like so so Tuco gets taken away on the prison train mm-hmm. with the with the one guy with like the, the Oh yeah, um, that was great. Milky eye I forgot about that. No, I, I love that bit. Um but also Clint Eastwood and uh, Lee Van Cleef, they go off to go find mm-hmm, the gold. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are they like... Once again, I have a hard time tracking the geography because mm-hmm. they just keep throwing around names and I'm like, I need a map. Sure, I sure. desperately needed a map in this movie. <laughs> um, because Tuco falls off the train with, with the guy and kills the guy. And he's, like, bashing his head on a rock, which I was like, <laughs> all right, that's effective. And then he throws um, him onto the train tracks to have the train smash the, the hand handcuffs off. Yeah. That's great. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with all of this. Um, how does he show up, magically show up to the same town where Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef show up at? I don't know. Well, because, I mean, I don't think it's magically. I mean, I think they are going to the same... I, I assume the idea is that the town is close by. Considering they get captured by Union soldiers who then immediately... is it? Are they Union at that point or Confederate? They're Union, right? At the bridge? Yes. That's Union. Yeah. Yes. So they get captured by Union soldiers who are then, you know, close to the, the grave. I think the idea is that that town is just very close to the grave. Uh, and that's and that's how Tuco knows where to go. I don't know how he gets there. But how did he show up there so quickly? He had no horse or mm. anything. Oh, he I jumps on the train. Wait, what? He jumps or on the he... train as it leaves. When he he he, 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 he smashes his handcuffs and he jumps on the train. Okay. So I don't know where he goes to from there. Okay. I don't know I where that train is going. I must have blanked out for thirty you're, seconds you're... in this movie because I completely missed that. I. I almost certain I'm, I'm right on that I, I, I hope I'm not just making that up but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what he does um, okay you're on the train you don't know where this train may take you <laughs> uh, I don't know how that works in terms of the geography of, of getting him back on there it's a movie <laughs> <laughs> again but but then he shows up I like the scene where he's like I'm gonna take a bath I'm <laughs> disgusting right now it's fine how does this bounty hunter show up he's with like Van, Van Cleef's thing because Van Cleef tells him to I believe tells him to go check it out Okay, I could be wrong about that. Okay, I, I, once again, I think that's that's the thing. I think that I blanked out for a good <laughs> chunk of this movie. Um, I don't know how he's with Van Cleef's gang. I mean, that's that's a larger point you could talk about, but maybe I don't know. I don't... <laughs> it's a little convenient that he happens to be the one that gets sent over there, yeah, but whatever. Yeah. That's um, okay. Okay, that makes more <laughs> sense. I completely blank because for me, I was reading it as just like. What's a third party doing in this barren <laughs> town? And then he just is the we needed to contrive some way for Clint Eastwood to show up and find Tuco, even though we could have just had Clint Eastwood be the one to go find Tuco. Sure. Um. Yeah. And then we proceed to have an action scene that starts off really cool, and then kinda just ends just, with yeah, them kind of just ends. walking down the street the and they're thought. invincible. Yeah. I I felt pretty much no tension during any of the action sequences in this movie and that's partially because we've already been shown Clint Eastwood is invincible action man who will survive sure. which kind of 
if he's got a gun in his hand, he will survive. Mm-hmm. Unless Tuco gets the drop on him, because Clint Eastwood's an idiot around <laughs> Tuco. Um, but he's he's Invincible Man, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a problem, especially with Sergio Leone trying to go with like the anti-Western, where it's he's not perfect John Wayne good guy. Then don't yeah. have him always like have him get shot, like have him get wounded. I don't know sure. something to have me feel tension in what's <laughs> happening. It's the difference between. Um, something like 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 Casino Royale and something mm-hmm. like Spectre, where Casino Royale Bond gets cut, he bleeds, he gets punched a lot, sure. he gets stabbed, he gets his his testicles rearranged. <laughs> <laughs> um, However, Clint Eastwood again. I I know I know your your point is specifically when he has a gun, he's invincible. But I mean, he yes. he does constantly get physically abused by the elements and people and various things. I mean, it's he he's. I think that for a movie, th- this movie gets surprisingly brutal in how they treat like this, the, where he's his face is just like peeled and blistering. After that was good makeup. The, the, yeah, that's yeah. pretty good makeup. Um, but I see your overall point, and I, I do. I don't know why that doesn't bother me. Um, it's kind of just something I accepted at some point, and 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 I think it also is a good choice. Makes it a good choice for them to have the final act be a three person, um, three person shootout. Assuming you care about Tuco, yes, I'm I'm aware, but I'm saying because the the, the most giant asterisk possible in, in that case, he basically has to trust that Tuco is not going to shoot him, um, right? Because like, if they're if they're having a duel, he can he... see. I'm, I'm I'm hearing you talk about all these cool things that I'm like, <laughs> it's it's kind of there. I wish it was more in the four. Another thing I really liked. I'm just gonna. I just wanted to throw this out here um, before I forget about it. Was the uh, the orchestra playing while Tuco was getting horribly beaten, and the one that, that was the one guy once, just like once again, bawling. There's, all, there's just so many cool ideas and just mm-hmm. set pieces that are just injected into this movie, and they should feel kind of like Tuco running in the graveyard. They should feel odd and out of place, but they don't. Yeah, I, I re- yeah, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Tuco's getting the crap beaten out of him, <laughs> and they, the the band is playing, so it drowns out the yeah. noise. Yeah, and. And even more so than that, all the soldiers know what's mm-hmm, going on. Mm-hmm. And there's the one guy who's like crying while playing the, yeah. the harmonica or something because he's like, "Yeah, I don't." And want the it. guy tries to stop playing the violin. He's like, "No, you you keep playing." Oh yeah, maybe you... it made the violin. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, I didn't completely hate the movie. <laughs> there's a tighter edit that can be sure, made that sure. can make me really like it. And maybe a couple more scenes where Clint Eastwood actually talks. Sure. Um. Let's talk about. The, I liked what I liked everything going on at the bridge. Yes, um, I thought that was I, great. I kind of wish it was the whole movie. <laughs> sure, um, and, and it, it would have been nice if there was a little more build up. But again, it goes back to this uh, chapter thing you were talking yeah. about with like sort of. It's like a novel. Yes. It's not like a movie. Yeah, um, which, depending on your point of view, it could be a problem. It could yeah. not be. Um, I. Like, the scene where where they're like, "We want to volunteer," and the drunk captain's just like, "You guys want to volunteer?" Okay. All right, have a have a swig of my drink. You're on the team. Where he's like, "This is the greatest weapon a man has," or whatever. Yeah, because it's like, yeah. Um, and basically, he's just talking about how pointless this stupid bridge is. Yeah, and he's oh, like, "I've often great. dreamed of blowing it up," and they're like, well, "All right, we're blowing it up." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was saying when he says that. I'm like, "Yes, they're gonna blow the bridge up. Do it." Um, well, I also like that 
kind of the last thing he the captain sees before he dies he gets to see the yes. bridge blow up right yeah yeah, yeah. I was like, he, for a guy that was introduced five minutes ago, you did a nice job yeah. having a setup after, after he's getting, for his character. And, and the bit where he's like, uh, what, what is his final line? It's He he talks to the doctor and he's like, doctor, can you keep me alive a few more minutes? I'm expecting good news. Yeah. That was excellent. Um, I kind of wish the whole movie, or at least a, like a more larger of chunk of the movie, was, was about that. Yeah. That was a cool. That was a cool thing. And, and, and if I, somehow Lee Van Cleef was involved I get, in that section. I would have liked it. I imagine part of the reason it's not is budget, because <laughs> that was Probably. a huge set. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. Yes. Show up. <laughs> I like how they all just run on the bridge and they, the armies just smack into <laughs> each other. Like there's nothing subtle about it. They're just like, all right, yeah. full speed ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, I did like. Just the set piece of them being underneath the bridge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was. It was. There was just something about the way it was shot where it was yes. like I don't feel like I've seen anything quite like this. Like it was just really inventive mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and then it went on for way too long. <laughs> I guess. Uh, them setting up the explosives felt like it was taking a little while for me. Well, I, lo- I just I felt like it was taking a while because they they were doing the the banter that, and that's where we get the part where they they reveal to each other what their secrets are supposedly and uh, yeah I really enjoy that. Um, but I was gonna say too I I also like the fact that they saved the big Civil War set piece for the very end after we've seen the aftermath of all of this. Um, yeah, and that's really the first time they get directly involved in in some aspect of it. Um. Where, you know, because Lee Van Cleef early on, kind of the last we see him before he disappears for a while and ends up uh, hooking up with the Union, um, is he goes to the Confederates and he, he gives a Confederate guy a bottle of uh, something or the other, some some alcohol, um, because he tells him uh, that Bill Carson has been, been, I think, not captured, or he tells him, like, what, what unit he's with and that he's off, you know, somewhere in the desert, basically, po- points him in the right direction. And there's a great a great discussion they have about that where Lee Van Cleef shows up and it's just this wrecked town or like fortress or something like that with all these guys wounded, and uh, yeah, the the one guy who's just kind of like already tired of this crap. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that where they they weave that in, and then Tuco comes by another Confederate thing and basically pretends to be a Confederate officer to figure out where Bill Carson is. Um, all of that, I, I I like that they sort of are are using this the entire time, and then in the end they actually get directly involved. And uh, right before we get the uh, oh yeah, here's all these people that died in this war uh, while you were off hunting for treasure. <laughs> yeah, but then I suppose this goes with the theme of everything being futile. Mm-hmm. But I, everyone dying, it it made like no impression on any of them. Like, it kind of made an impression on yeah. Clint Eastwood, but then he just rides off in the sunset with his money anyway. <laughs> but, and... Well, that's exactly what I'm saying about, like, with Tuco, for instance. The fact that he's running around this graveyard. But that's for... fine for Tuco, because Tuco's a moron. Like, sure. I'm fine with him. Like, the, he ends up, at the end of the movie, being yeah. completely oblivious to what's just happened. And Clint I... Eastwood, the only moment we get is him, you know, being nice to the, the soldier as he's dying. Yeah. And that's it. And I think that's, well, he also blows up the bridge, like... For the captain, I feel like that—that's true. That's I mean, true. he does it for himself as well, but like so that they can get across. But um, he he does seem to take an interest, and I, I I think that does speak to a larger point of the fact that we're just not in his head very much. Um, 
we're never in his head in any of these movies. Yeah. And I think that's one of my biggest problems with them. We are, the times we are in his head is he's making an expression that's like a, huh? Or like a, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and that's... Clint Eastwood has a cool face. He has a very cool face. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is a movie that I think has a, has a ton of cool moments um, that, that string together very well. I, th- I feel like we've talked up and down it. I'm not sure if we. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Just off the top of my head, I, don't I could probably keep lot keep more. remembering little bits that I really enjoyed. Um. Yeah, overall, very happy with it. And I'm more I, ambivalent. I am than pleased anything else. with Joseph's purchase. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. <laughs> Uh yeah, I, a lot of elements I liked, a lot of stuff I didn't. Uh, it just didn't come together for me, and okay. that's very disappointing. And it's just kind of weird, considering how most of the time we're on the same page, mm-hmm. and this time it's just I feel like, like we're very I, much not. And I'm very curious to see what your grade is. I'm like I I don't think we watched the same movie. Sure. All right. <laughs> I, I really think it's the combination of, of my my three things that I, I could have done for worse thing. I I didn't like Tuco mm-hmm. at all. I should probably talk a little bit more about why I didn't like okay. Tuco other than just saying I didn't like Tuco very much. Um, although I have weird biases towards characters as we talked about sure, pre- sure. previously. My my sort of my, my, my list of, of characters that I hate like more than life <laughs> itself. Um, he's not on that list. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like you're quite... Quite he's not Dr. Kafka or uh, Tia Leone's character from uh, Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> uh, although the, the the more often that Clint Eastwood kept, getting him let, uh, or kept <laughs> letting him get away with stuff, I was like, all right, he's starting to grind my gears. <laughs> um, so it was Tuco, the length, and then not flushing out Lee Van Cleef's character enough. Sure. Um, I would say not fleshing out Clint Eastwood's character enough, but I kind of knew what I was getting into with that, mm-hmm. considering we've had two previous movies where he's treated exactly the same. He's treated about like you um, expect someone we never actually get the name of. <laughs> yeah. Um. I kind of wish. See, I I would have more respect for Tim Burton's version of Batman if he defended like the fact that Batman like has no character in those movies mm-hmm. as like, oh, he's supposed to be like the man with no name. Sure. Where you don't know a whole lot about him, and it's all about the mystery. He's, and a, the... he's aloof. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's all it's all about the mystique of the character. Exactly. I'm like, if if Tim Burton said those words, I'd have more respect <laughs> for his Batman movies. Um, but no, it's about duality. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Anyways, I. So with Tuco, should you just air quote Tuco? No, no, no! I threw my hands okay. up. In it, the looked air. Like, it looked like you're too co. This so-called too co, as he's called, two dash co. Um, two co. He was just I, I, I found him extremely unlikable, mm-hmm. and he was just kind of a moron. Sure, like, and the, the, like the, there were the only part that I found to be even mildly sympathetic was when he was talking with his brother where mm. his brother's a priest and he's like you know from our town there are two paths you can go on you can be a bandit 
and you can go into the priesthood. And being a bandit is a lot harder, and I had to take care of my family while you left. Mm. I'm like, oh, we've got something here. And then it's never brought up again. <laughs> but at the same time, and, that's that's also like, that's not really an actual justification. Like, he he's he's justifying being a bit like I don't think we're supposed to agree necessarily that like ah he's perfectly no, in the right no but here. it's it's supposed to give, ha, make us have or feel some sure. sympathy for sure. him where he feels like he's trapped in this life and he can't escape it yeah but I I also think it's it's part of the uh, the Breaking Bad thing of uh I did it for my family oh wait I actually did it for me um I think that's sort of and and this is me kind of probably reading too much into it but. Uh, or reading reading more than the text of the film says at least um, to me it was kind of like we're supposed to be interpreting that this is why this is how he justifies what he does um, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean he's actually justified in what he does or that, or like well that makes actually, me hate him even more and makes me want to well, scream even more hey Clint Eastwood well, shoot him right <laughs> between the eyes which wraps back into my, my thing about the fact that I, I think a lot of the movie the purpose of the movie with him is we're supposed to kind of pity him and also in general um, the performance I think is very charismatic and I think he's he's pretty funny um, I found so. him kind of annoying that's fair I don't know if it was I, he, he was dubbed right yes no or, yes. was he mm-hmm. okay. from what I remember because I, I I don't know if it was the voice or if it was like his appearance right. and I like oh he's he's the ugly guy mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is kind of wrapped up in my feelings sure. against him um, I, I just didn't like him. That's fair. And he he's kind of like you must, the emotional what you anchor do is right, of, the, of course. He's like the emotional <laughs> anchor of the movie and like it was not working for me at all. Mhm. I follow. <laughs> and I, I I feel like a complete alien. Like I feel like I I don't get it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Different strokes I'm, I'm for different the ugly. folks. <laughs> That moment when you realize you're the ugly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. that's all I got. <laughs> you you go with your grade first because I know you're going to give it something in the A range, probably an A plus. Yeah, go an A plus. Hey, I, yeah. I, yeah. Like this is a movie I'm gonna be I'm gonna be thinking about for a while. Um, just for me personally, like that 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 hit a lot of a lot of good notes. Um. Probably even more so than The Godfather. Um, not saying that I, I think it is better than The Godfather. Uh, just that... Because you are. Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody would like be particularly upset by that, but I wanted to, to clarify that's not necessarily what I mean there. That that would be a statement where people go, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, because they, they, nobody's actually watched either of these movies uh, in the last 15 years. So... <laughs> um, if you were born in the last 20 years, you haven't seen either yeah, of these yeah, movies. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Which is just really because I was gonna say I would definitely recommend watching it, but I also don't want to like make people go watch a three-hour movie that if they end up not connecting with it, like you would. And I can definitely see how a lot of people, again, not having been raised on this kind of a movie, um, yeah, again, not not like an indictment on a generation, uh, just just think it's it's an interesting uh, cultural shift. Uh, I I could see how that could be very very boring, um, but I personally really enjoyed it. Um, especially, I do. I do think that uh, if you're if you're Jones in for some more Western stories after Red Dead Two, uh, yeah. it's a good good one for you. Um, 
And I would recommend this over the other two for sure, if if my grade doesn't make that clear. But that is that is my my feeling. Um, it's a just a, a personal thing. I need to mull this over a bit. Sure. I'm not sure. Because thinking about it, and maybe this is just because everyone says this is the best one. <laughs> if I am if I were to return to any of these, it would probably be this one just gotcha. because I, you wanna I want to know on a rewatch if, yeah. if it hits me in any sort of way. Because mm-hmm. um, it really didn't this time. Sure. Um, I think I enjoyed the first one the most, at okay. least when we're comparing first watches for all of them. Right. Um, and maybe that's just because it was the shortest. Sure. <laughs> um, I'm going C. Okay. I thought you might go lower. <laughs> no, because I, I, I think it's got some better ideas than for a few dollars more. Mm-hmm. Like, that one feels like it loses steam. This one just felt like it was unfocused to me. Okay. Um, which is weird because it actually has a plot. Unlike the other two where they're just like, things are happening. Yeah. Um, is this like I, the first MacGuffin? What's the MacGuffin in this case? The gold. Because the, the, there's not really like a, a, a plot or character reason for wanting the gold. It's just, ah, oh, we want the gold. Um, and I guess this is stemming out of... I mean, the previous movie, they the money... Yeah, I guess that's it. I'm just thinking of the fact that, like, we don't see... Because, like, in the previous movie, it's kind of like, oh, we got the money, all right, now... Like, the the plot kind of turns away from that. Whereas this yeah. this is a movie where the entire plot... Kind of similar to uh, revisiting a, a random one recently, um, Mission Impossible 3. We talked about that, how the MacGuffin of that is just... It's a doomsday device. That's all you need to know. Um, yeah. This one is sort of like... It, or it could be a doomsday right, device. Right. Something dangerous. We're not even sure of that. It could be a brand new type of cereal for all we know. <laughs> the rabbit's foot. Uh, <laughs> uh, silly rabbit tricks are for kids and then they cut off his foot. Those are some weird commercials. Coming to a Publix near you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that it's the same idea where it's like, oh, the, there's, there's this gold. Don't worry about where it came from. It's fine. Just, just. I think they actually do explain where it came from, but I, I, I might have missed that. That was very early on. Um, but it's just like not too important about it, or nothing, nothing too important about it, other than that these characters want it, and that's driving the plot, and it's located in this place. Um, which uh, it, it's interesting that you can probably see the evolution of that from uh, like actual novels and more kind of classic films. Um, again, like you were just saying, kind of going back to, to the money thing. But, uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. Just a thought. Anyway. Yep, so this franchise ended up being a big fat goose egg for me. <laughs> I'm scared about James Bond. I'm I, excited. I think I may I may be uh, experiencing punishment uh, in the near future for liking this movie so much. In, in terms of, like my joy at the next ones being diminished universal karma is what i'm saying like like oh. I've, I've, I've i've had my fun too much with this movie and now i'm going to turn to the the bond franchise and i'm gonna be like uh guys i hate them all and then i'm gonna get <laughs> buried alive under copies of golden eye probably i don't know um, you mean goldfinger no no, no, no I, I just said golden eye because 
I thought of Bond, and that's what I thought of, which probably says something about my experience with Bond. But um, yeah, yeah. So next up, we're doing the Sean Connery Bond movies. Correct. Um, so we're starting with Doctor No. Mm-hmm. Be very interesting, because uh, Tyler doesn't like James Bond if it's not Daniel Craig. Apparently, well, it's not even it's it's that. <laughs> and I, even then, when it's Daniel Craig, it's only really about half the time that he likes it. It's that I have no. Uh, no, no sort of uh, experience with the character outside of what you've shown of him, shown me of him, basically, which yeah. means that um, the movie has to be good for me to enjoy it. So, uh, I'll be curious to see if I like. I don't think I've watched Doctor No. I think I've been in the room as you've watched Doctor No. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I feel like well, I, well, I did my insane thing where it's like for a whole month or nearly a month mm-hmm. every day I'm gonna watch a James Bond movie and you occasionally would walk in and be like alright so what's the plot to this one <laughs> I'd be like some stuff happens they go into space it's dumb <laughs> whatever <laughs> and you're like it sounds like you're not enjoying yourself and you're like I've got like 15 more of these do you think I'm enjoying uh, myself which we should establish we are specifically doing the Sean Connery ones for now I think we'll, we'll probably we'll probably do the uh What's, what's we will do them all by the end of the year. I don't know about that. What's what's I am making that promise. What's, what's the next whether one? Whether Tyler wants to or not. What's the guy at Roger Moore is is he is he number two? Technically three. Lays and bees in the middle. Right, right, right. He's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. one. Um be, So we we will be doing uh Honor Majesty Secret Service, even though it's Lays and Bees, mm-hmm. not Sean Connery, because Connery's then We're doing in, errors comes of, back for Diamonds Are Errors of James You're Bond doing, is what we're doing. We are doing this set of movies will be Doctor No to Diamonds Are Forever. We're doing so what the, we could have done. Connery Lazenby run. We're doing what we could have done with the MCU if we had not decided to just like do all of it at once. Did we do all of it? Well, yes. That was a long time. <laughs> yes, um, but we are going to break this up uh, a little bit, I think, at least, and then we might stop for a little while and, and, and work on a few other franchises. Uh, because I feel like once we hit Connery and more, we'll we'll have knocked out the majority of it. We we will want to. I'm sure once we get to that point, I want to be like, let's just get it over with and do the uh, the remaining <laughs> ones. Um, but we're we're gonna break this one up a little bit more because it is quite a chunk of movies. And we don't necessarily. It it's 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 strange going back to the movie we actually are reviewing for this podcast. It's it's strange because you you said something that I think is very interesting, and of course you having loved it much much more than myself, <laughs> um, the fact that you were like this is going to stick with me. I'm going to think be thinking about this movie a lot. I haven't really thought about it that much aside from I don't want to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> oh, like, the old uh, Last this, Jedi. <laughs> like this movie's not going to come back to me unless it's like in in conversation, right? No, this and, this one I I will have to evaluate this one in terms of a lot of the more modern movies that I like and and well it makes me want to explore more Clint Eastwood westerns mm-hmm. like I want to go and watch and of course this is you know a bit more modern I want to watch Unforgiven mm-hmm. especially with how much I love Logan and everybody's like it's, it's like it's like Unver- Unforgiven but Wolverine's in it sure um I kind of want to watch Unforgiven um we'll see I don't know okay I. I just have a bias because I'm not that in, into westerns. Mm-hmm. Like, westerns have never really caught my fancy aside from, like, the Alamo. <laughs> sure. And that is, like, but I also a historical... Not, like... And, and that's, that's mainly just, like, as a historical event, right. I find that interesting. Um, 
I mean, I don't have a lot of contacts for westerns. I mean, I, I played Red Dead Redemption the first game uh, like two years ago. Like I, I yeah, I, I was I had never watched a western before we watched these three. Um, it's just unless you count Back to the Future Part Three. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I mean, I guess the genre intrigues me, and I do like it. Um, but I'm not. I don't have a nostalgia for it. I'll say that much. Yeah, it it just doesn't intrigue me very much. More. I don't know. <laughs> I feel it's just so strange. Like three movies in a row that are like universally loved, and I'm like, I don't get it. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I guess they are, but I didn't. This hasn't. But this hasn't happened with any of the other franchises we've sure. done. For the most part, I'm we're pretty on point. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I think that's that's more likely to happen when you go back that far too. Um, you're just more likely to get something that's like this is just not on my wavelength. Um, well, now you can't say that because now I'm gonna hate the Bond movies too. Uh-huh. I'm gonna watch them you're again gonna go and be like, the this next, is terrible. You're gonna have a run of like eleven movies that you just hate all of them. Could be longer depending on what we're doing next. Uh, teaser. Well, at least I know what I'm getting into because the Bond movies. Because uh, it's funny you're talking about adaptations from novels around this time. Mm-hmm. They, the plots for like the first several are pretty close to the books, but just Bond's characterization is stripped out. Right. <laughs> um, where he's just he's kind of like Clint Eastwood. He's just kind of cool action man. Mm-hmm. He's aloof. Um. I know. It'll be interesting taking my criticism of Clint Eastwood's character yep. in these movies and comparing it with particularly Connery Bond. Right. Because once you get to Roger Moore Bond, everything's goofy, it's campy, you're not supposed to take it that seriously. Sure. So, like, him being invincible... Not like, as big a deal. That's... N- no, it's not. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, it's nice to know what the tone of a movie is and how I'm supposed to feel about something. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right. I'm sorry I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. Shoot me right between the eyes. You can find us on email at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCGSequels. And we're also on iTunes and YouTube. You just search Here Come the Sequels. If somebody made me walk... 70 miles through the desert with no water. He shot my water supply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd kill that man. <laughs> he tried. Pity or not, I'd kill you, that man. But, but he may. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he tried and then he didn't. No, no, no I'm saying, I'm saying you're. Tuco's the one who had to walk 70 miles in the desert. How far did Clint Eastwood have to walk? He walked pretty far. They walked him a while. Walked him How big he's... is that desert, by the way? I don't know. One thing I didn't point out, because I don't know geography in this movie, um, just I don't know how big a problem it is, the coincidence that they just happen to find this one carriage that has the guy sure. who can lead them to the treasure. Yeah. This is a very small world. Yeah. After but all. The way... The way it's shot makes it feel a lot bigger than it is. Sure. 
Ah, I give the, it a C. The Sam Raimi. Oh my effect. god! I gave it the same grade as Aquaman. We haven't even graded oh! Aquaman yet. <laughs> can I can I change my grade from Aquaman to a D plus? Sure. You haven't given a grade yet, so is it on the score sheet? Then it is. It it is not written. Okay. Thanks. All things can be changed until they are on the score sheet, and even then, they can still kind of be changed. Tyler, I appreciate you backing me up like that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Sometimes we're friends. <laughs> Let's go watch the Super Bowl. Let's go watch this, the the footballs and the, the stuff. Yeah. Like, I do actually care about football, but not, not really this football. Who? I think, I think, I think his name's Peyton Manning. Ah, yeah. And Papa John's. And Papa John's. Let's call it a day. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, hopefully my complaining didn't drive you away. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Tyler's constant compliments for this movie kept bringing you back. Uh. <laughs> I should probably establish that we're recording this on a Sunday. Because otherwise, the the two people who realize that the Super Bowl is on a Sunday and we release this on a Tuesday, they're going to be like, what? But what? Or you could just edit the whole thing out. Uh, Heck, don't even post this episode! Or re-edit it so it's just only you. Too late. Sorry, oh, online. Okay. For all to see. Nope. Okay. They're shaming Hello, everyone. You. <laughs> oh, Oh, is that the angry mom at my door to shoot me right between the eyes? <laughs> All right, next time, Dr. No, same bad time, same bad channel, artist subjective. <laughs> Nothing is real. Thank you for listening. <laughs>